0: And this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. To bring you this story, we went on a long and twisty dive through the archives, all the way back to the early 1940s with news of the war still filled cramped newspaper columns. But don't worry, even among momentous events, local reporters still squeezed in our kind of news. But even we were surprised by how, well, weird, things got down in Pascagoula, Mississippi in June of 1942. It started with local coverage, though, eventually, the Associated Press ran the story across the country. It seems as though that summer, a nefarious, mysterious, nocturnal barber was on the loose. Well, a barber in the broadest sense, anyway, as in, someone who cuts your hair. Except, this barber wasn't being paid. In fact, he wasn't even being asked. His clients, they were at home and asleep in their beds. But let's start at the beginning. Pascagoula, Mississippi was home to roughly 6,000 people in 1940. By 1942, that number had more than doubled, all due to the war effort. Since World War II had begun, Pascagoula's shipbuilding trade had become increasingly important, totally transforming the little Gulf Coast town. Pascagoula was busy and tired, and the nights got a lot more restless on Friday, June 5th, when the first break-in occurred. According to the San Francisco Examiner, three little girls, two sisters, Mary Evelyn and Lauren Briggs, and a third child, Edna Haydell were asleep in their beds at the Our Lady of Victory's convent school. This particular examiner article begins with what we can safely call the most melodramatic retelling we've ever seen in print. A sleeping child, a walking nightmare, shrieks in the night, dark footsteps, gasping breath, it's straight out of an Edgar Allan Poe story. But once the reporter had his fun, he did manage to work in a few details. It seems that a nun, Sister Camille, was awoken by screaming from the girl's room. She hurried down the hall to find Mary Evelyn sitting up straight in bed, looking terrified. Had she had a nightmare? Mary Evelyn thought so, but could it have been real? There had been a man... Standing over her bed, whispering, gently grasping her long hair. According to the examiner, at that moment, Sister Camille exclaimed to Mary Evelyn, Your hair! What's happened to your hair? There had been no dream, but there had been a man by the window and by the bed, and he had cut Mary Evelyn's hair. A large chunk of blonde curls was missing on the left side of her head. According to the examiner, little Edna Haydell woke around that point. How she slept through it, we have no idea, and pointed out that she, too, had gotten a rough haircut. Only Laura had been spared. Her sister's screams might have scared off the prowler before he made it to her bed. And this man, Mary Evelyn couldn't give a good description, but she knew it was a man maybe in a white sweatshirt. He was a prowler. According to the Clarion Ledger, he would go on to attempt break-ins all over town in the first weeks of June, slicing through window screens all across Pascagoula. He didn't always manage to make it inside, but just a few days after he broke into the convent school, he succeeded again, this time late on Monday night, and in the bedroom of six-year-old twins. Per the San Francisco Examiner, the children, David and Carol Petey, were asleep in their room. They'd been having a hard time. Their mother was in the hospital, and friends of the family were staying at the home to care for them. According to the Examiner, those family friends, the Henshaws, were startled awake by a noise coming from the children's room. When they went to investigate, Mrs. Henshaw told reporters she saw the oddest thing on one of the bedspreads, quote, the print of a man's bare foot etched in sand. Then they discovered Carol's long blonde hair had been cut as short as her brother's. They also found the window screen had been sliced. By this point, Pascagoula was, if not in a frenzy, fast approaching one. After Carol was attacked, the Clarion Ledger reported a reward of $300, that's nearly $5,000 today, and that bloodhounds had been employed to try and sniff out the prowler. The dogs, though probably very good boys, turned up nothing. And though everyone was looking for the absolute weirdo who'd snuck into the convent school and the Petey family's home, no one seemed to have gotten a very good look at him. The Hanford Morning Journal described him as, quote, short and fat, and the Clarion Ledger as, quote, willowy. If anyone had seen a short, fat, tall, slender man, possibly in a white sweatshirt, and barefoot, carrying scissors, well, no one had called in that tip. But Pascagoula was concerned. Concerned enough that, according to the Morning Journal, quote, The Army relaxed dim-out restrictions, meaning that, despite possible wartime danger, residents were allowed to use their lights at night in hopes of spotting the barber. The reward soon grew to $400. But it was all to no avail. The man reporters had taken to calling, the Phantom Barber, was still on the loose. There had been three victims so far, and it was beginning to look like this phantom was on the hunt for blonde children. And despite the Neosho Daily News' assurances that he doesn't hurt them or anything, parents were justifiably concerned. At least until the next victim. After the fourth person was attacked, well, no one was considered safe. Per the Tribune, a young woman, only identified as Mrs. Taylor, reported that, quote, Two inches had been snipped off her new permanent while she slept. What's more, her husband and children had been in the same room. And this article brought new information. Not only had the phantom barber attacked an adult, but for the first time, it was proposed that the Prowler had been chloroforming his victims to ensure his haircuts would be completed in peace. We're not sure how or why authorities decided this, but if you're familiar with our other episodes, we'd like to note that chloroform was far too readily available in the 1940s. Moving on, the city now had four victims on their hands, and Pascagoula had begun to wonder if they had more than a prowler to deal with. Was this a roundabout way to attack the war effort. Stay with us here. The headlines took this tack early, and they stayed with it. The idea that a German spy or Nazi sympathizer might be behind the attacks began soon after they were reported. Per the San Francisco Examiner, there was concern that some, quote, fifth columnists had been afoot. Fifth Columnists is another way of saying subversive agents, and the term has a much longer history than we have time for on this program. Should you desire, give it a web search, and you'll be busy for quite a while. Anyway, the examiner claimed that the so-called subversive agents might be, quote, collecting hair for Axis bomb sites. How that would help exactly, we have no clue. The examiner also reported the local rumor that hair was actually being collected for, quote, backcountry hexes. Others figured that what they had on their hands was, literally, a mad barber, because who else could possibly want a bunch of hair? But, per the examiner, others retorted that, actually, a barber was probably the last person on Earth who'd go out of their way to collect extra hair. And absolutely no one, bless them, went to the, it's a creepy weirdo route, which, to be frank, would have been our first guess. I'm sure you've heard the old adage that you should learn something new every day. It's good advice, but with so much to do, are you making time to learn and stay curious about our world? Well, with Everything Everywhere Daily, you can easily make that goal a reality. Everything Everywhere Daily is one of the world's most popular daily education podcasts. In about 10 minutes, you can learn something new every day. The show covers history, science, geography, mathematics, and technology, as well as biographies from some of the world's most interesting people. One listener says the show truly makes my day more enjoyable and entertaining. Fans of the show are so passionate, they even work to join the Completionist Club, the group of dedicated listeners who've listened to all 900-plus and counting episodes. I highly recommend you check out Everything Everywhere Daily's recent episodes on Why Are There No Flying Cars? and The Little Ice Age That Happened 700 Years Ago. Learn something new every single day with Everything Everywhere Daily. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for creepy stories? Then we might have a podcast for you. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. Rattled and Shook is a weekly podcast that features new scary stories every episode. Kind of like this. I would hear her say things to me inside my head. I couldn't get around him. I was trapped. The other guy started to get pretty agitated. He grabbed my grandfather's oxygen hose and he cut off his oxygen. Then I started thinking, well, you know, who would be hanging around in this nowhere forest, in this nowhere area? And that's when I started looking more closely. And that's when I noticed there were several shapes. And they were slowly working their way toward me as they were moving from tree to tree. New episodes of Rattled and Shook are out every Thursday. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, by mid-June, Pascagoula was on high alert. A possible spy and or hillbilly wizard and or workaholic hairstylist was on the loose. And what's more, this whole thing had actually begun to affect the war effort— but not for the reasons that one might expect. As the Delta Democrat Times reported, many men had begun to skip their shifts at the shipyard because they didn't want to leave their families home alone, unprotected. However, it seems that the presence of a man in the home didn't put off the so-called phantom, because the final attack in mid-June was as different as it was disturbing, Per the messenger, a young couple, the Heidelbergs, were asleep in bed late one night when they became the victims of a sudden attack, not of haircutting, but a violent beating with an iron bar. A dark figure stood over their bed, mercilessly thrashing the couple, who were too dazed to fend off the blows. The couple lived, but they were in bad shape. How exactly this Prowler escaped, did he just leave, is not detailed. But we do know one thing, no hair was cut. And yet, everyone attributed this attack to the Phantom Barber. After all, who else could it be? Just when it seemed Pascagoula could take no more, no more haircuts, and certainly no more violent attacks, a blaring headline hit the Greenwood Commonwealth newspaper. Phantom Barber is Nazi terrorist. Indeed, a man had been arrested. Per the Commonwealth, the suspect was an American, but also, quote, a German-educated chemist. Certainly not something anyone wanted to be in wartime. And the police chief, A.W. Ezel, told reporters, quote, we're sure this is the man according to another paper the metropolitan pasadena star news quote a quantity of human hair had been found behind the suspect's house and the greenwood commonwealth reported that hair had been sent to the fbi for analysis this suspect was being charged not only with breaking entering and barbering but also with the beating and attempted murder of the Heidelbergs. His name? William A. Dolan, age 57, a chemist. Whether they mean a pharmacist or a scientist, no one bothered to elaborate. But what was clear was that he was in a lot of trouble. According to most reports, the main signs of his guilt seem to be the following. One. There was some hair behind his house, which is certainly odd. How close to his house? On his porch? In a ditch? In some woods nearby? We aren't sure, but the attacks also ceased after his arrests and did not begin again. Second, and probably most important, he was said to have bad blood with the father of Mr. Heidelberg, If you'll recall, he was half of the young couple attacked with the iron bar. It was on this evidence that William Dolan was taken to trial. Though he maintained his innocence, he was, per the Delta Democrat Times, sentenced to 10 years in prison. And that, strangers, would have put an end to the tale of the phantom barber of Pascagoula. Except for one strange thing. William Dolan would eventually be pardoned. And not only that, his pardon would be supported by a powerful lawman from the very same city that put him away. Not the police chief, A.W. Azell, but the county sheriff, Guy Brebs. This appeal went all the way up to Mississippi's governor, Fielding L. Wright, who had a lot to consider including a polygraph test. It seems that William Dolan's campaign to appeal his sentence began soon after his arrest. According to the Greenwood Commonwealth, by 1948, William Dolan had amassed an impressive number of supporters. Maybe they decided that the evidence in his case was just flimsy or that the phrase German educated had gotten everyone riled up in Pascagoula in 1942. According to the Enterprise Journal, a lawyer grew interested in Dolan's case and was successful in producing witnesses who felt that Dolan had been steamrolled. This included the sheriff and even members of the grand jury who had indicted him. With this support, they petitioned the governor and according to the Commonwealth, he was willing to consider a pardon, but first he wanted to sit down himself to watch William Dolan take that lie detector test. The test was actually funded by another local newspaper, the Jackson Daily News, who apparently knew a chance to get in on a story when they saw one. And boy, did that test turn out to be illuminating. In a May 26, 1948, Enterprise Journal article, it was announced William Dolan had easily passed the test something that truly impressed the governor. He told reporters, quote, I wouldn't say the lie detector didn't influence my decision, but it did corroborate the evidence submitted by the citizens of Jackson who insist Dolan is innocent. Irritatingly to us, the papers never say precisely what that evidence was. But we do know this. William Dolan was granted conditional release to be reviewed every six months in 1948. He had served six years of his sentence and would return to his old life, that is, until 1954. That's when, according to the Enterprise Journal, he, quote, drowned on the coast of Mississippi. This was reported on because there was discussion of paying his widow a pension of $2,500. Or about $24,000 in today's money. And so, this leaves us with, well, a lot of questions. Was William Dolan the Phantom Barber? And if not, who put hair behind his house? Was he seen as an easy target because of his German education? And if not him, then who? Another creeping, slinking, Hair-obsessed stalker sliding into windows and leaving with keepsakes? What if he was responsible for the attack on the Heidelbergs and not the others? Why were the police so sure that those separate events were linked in the first place? After all, there seemed to be plenty of odd intruders in the 1940s. That lurid San Francisco Examiner article we mentioned. They named quite a few, including the Kissing Bandit, a misnomer that is far too charming for a pantsless man who broke into people's homes and demanded kisses. And then there was another they called Tickletoe, a prowler who snuck in from New York City fire escapes, tickled young women's feet, and whispered, This is no ordinary robbery. We just don't know, listeners. It seems like 1942 was a bad year for trying to, well, sleep. Look at it this way. At least we haven't had to mark Phantom Barber off our 2021 bingo cards. Yet. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers, from the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and strangers. One Strange Thing is an entirely independent production. To support the show, and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There, you'll get ad free early releases of our regular episodes, full length bonus episodes, and plenty of other fun content, all for $5 a month. We hope you'll check it out. There's a link in our show notes.